This is an interview with Pierce Williams on Sunday, February 21st, 2021 by Nick Perkel. Now, Pierce, can you tell me about getting your very first drum kit? My very first one, I was 12 years old, but it goes back to like when I was eight, eight or nine years old, I got a uh, little electronic like toy kit from my parents for Christmas. And that thing broke within a few months, but, like, I still played on it, even though it was broken. So then, like, a few years later, um, it took me, it took me like, four years to get a drum set, actually. But, yeah, uh, before I actually got my drum kit, I had to start off with a practice pad and, like, two books. I had to read all the, uh, basically, all the exercises and stuff and, like, prove that I was, like, dedicated to it. And then by the time I was, like, 12 years old, I got my first drum kit. Uh, I Honestly, I can't remember, like, what it was, what the brand was. It was just, like, a cheap, like, $100 kit that they got me for my, like, 12th birthday or some shit. <laughs> Did you take any lessons with private tutors to hone your skills when you were younger? Yeah, uh, I had two drum teachers. Uh, both their names were actually Ben. Uh, I don't remember their last names, uh, but I was I was pretty young. Um, yeah, my first drum teacher, he just pretty much taught me how to like, like do like covers, just like learn the like learn the rock basics. And uh, my second teacher, his name was Ben, also, and he taught me more of like Latin type stuff, jazz type stuff funk just just kind of like expanding my horizons as far as like drums and music in general go um i took lessons from him for i want to say like two or three years and then i don't know i just started like reading a bunch of books and just learned by watching youtube because at that point youtube was like just sort of taken off and you know a lot of drummers were posting really cool videos on youtube so i watched a lot of that what past band of yours do you think you really cut your teeth in, not just as performing as a musician, but also just being part of a band? For every one of my projects, I, I like put myself into it 110%. I would, I would guess, but honestly, I would say probably Enigmatum, just because with this new record, I think we all just kind of cut all of our teeth into it. And this new record, honestly, man, like, uh, I, I started writing the lyrics for the first time for this thing, like, you know, coming up with the art concepts and all this stuff. It was just, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was, it's a lot more than just playing drums for this record for me. Can you tell me what the music scene was like being in a Portland band when Torture Rack formed? And can you give me a rundown on the band over the years? Portland music scene when Torture Rack was starting, uh, I remember being pretty, uh, pretty crazy actually. Like, yeah, it was just shows every week. Uh, lots of bands, lots of thrash bands at the time. Um, I remember Raptor was, was a, was a good band back then. Uh, there's a lot of thrash bands, a lot of old school death metal bands. Um, it seemed like there was a show like almost every single week. So it was, yeah, it was, it was really thriving when Torture Act first started. Um, and you wanted to know the origins of Torture Act? Oh, uh, yeah. Was just... it with the, what, the last bit of that question? Exactly. Oh, uh, the rundown. Um, 
Yeah, so me and Seth were like drunk. I think we were. I was like nineteen or twenty. We couldn't. Uh, we we couldn't go into the bar. We were hanging out before our set and whatever, and we got drunk in the van and we were just bullshitting. And I was like, dude, I'm sick and tired of playing drums for, you know, like this amount of bands. And Seth at the time, he was in like Cemetery Lust, Necro Drunks, like so he was he was in like a handful of bands too. And uh, I didn't know this, but he played drums. So uh, we were actually neighbors at the time, and uh, we were just fucking drunk, you know, getting stoned in the band, talking shit, and we were like, dude, let's switch spots, and then I think either the next day or the next week, he came over, and then uh, I think we started working on some of the stuff that's on that that demo that we did in 2012, and uh, Jason actually lived uh, with me at the time, and he came down and heard what we were doing. And then uh, plugged in his bass, and then we started jamming like these, like three songs. I think we had. I think two of them made it to the demo. Uh, One song, I I think we still remember the riffs, but we never recorded it. So yeah, then it was it was it was us three, and then everybody kept telling us that we needed like two guitar players for solos. And I'm more of a rhythm guy, and solos aren't my thing. But uh, uh, we we got Tony in on it like pretty quick uh, uh like i want to say like 2012 i think i can't remember if he was on the demo or if he wasn't on the demo but it was i mean he was he's been with us for like damn near since the beginning so it's just been us four ever since and uh yeah what was it like recording this year's pit of limbs ep oh it was fun man uh we actually recorded that let's see i want to say last january or february in 2020 we recorded it before covid uh and that was really cool we recorded it all analog um at what was red lantern studio and uh by evan murphy um it was really quick really easy i mean it's four songs like six six and a half minutes but it was a fun experience you know we we just put those songs really quick and uh we didn't have enough material for a, for a new record, but we also had material for this. So we just said, fuck it. And went in the studio and recorded it. Um, it actually took a really long time to get the artwork. I think David was just really busy, but I mean, it was well worth it because I don't know if you've seen the cover art, but the cover art's fucking awesome. I love it. And I hope fans do. The EP itself has been done for at least a year now, <laughs> which is really funny. Any further news you have on Torture Rack at at the moment? Um, yeah, so we're, we're right now we're working on album number three. Um, I think we got like six or seven new songs for that. I think, well, I don't want to give away too much, but I think we're going to try and aim for at least 10 songs, 12 songs. Uh, we don't have any concepts as far as artwork or anything like that. We have no concepts as for, uh, like, I think Jason only has a few lyrics written. Uh, I'm not too sure as to what what we're going to be talking about uh, album title-wise. I'm sure it'll be something having to do with torture and (laughs) death and killing. But uh, I don't want to give away too much. (laughs) So what was it like becoming the drummer for Skeletal Remains just as COVID was starting to take off? Um, It's been good, man. It's I mean, it's awesome because I love the band and I love those dudes. 
uh, I think just like anything, it has its ups and downs. Like, obviously, the good things is, you know, Skelter Remains just put out a new record. And, you know, the, the music's awesome. And we, we had all these tours lined up. And, and that's kind of where the downfall is. It's just like, just because of COVID, all these tours we had lined up are canceled. And just basically all the stuff that to keep keep us active for the whole year is just like, just like everybody else is gone. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it has its ups and downs. Like, definitely the positives is like, once we get back on stage, we're going to be really tight because, I mean... I've been doing nothing this entire lockdown, but like practicing drums. So yeah, I feel like once we get on that stage, it'll be as tight as it ever was, you know. For the new Enigmatum album, how old was the material that you used, and was this more of like a collaborative effort, or was it like mainly one or two people's contributions? So the material for this record, uh, it's all brand new. Uh, we didn't start writing the, this material probably about probably about a year and a half, two years ago. We started writing for this record. Uh, the first record we did was like each member had these songs written for like a decade before. I, I had a song that I wrote in like high school on that record. So all these all these songs are like who we are as musicians now. As far as like contributions, we all contributed to the songwriting. You know. It, because at the end of the day, it's like going to be our stamp. It's it's our music. So, you know, if, if nobody's not feeling a riff, you know, we're going to scrap it or we're going to work on it. Um, so in that sense, it's collaborative. Um, however, like, I think we all kind of took turns and wrote two songs, two, three songs each. You know, we go home, write the riffs, show everybody, and then we all work on it together. Um, whereas this new batch of material that we're starting to work on, uh, we want it to be more of just us in a room, like working together. So for this one, yeah, it's just, it's just in people donating two or three songs a piece. And it's almost, it's almost done. This record's almost done where <laughs> we have to re reamp our guitars because there's been some clashing frequencies and I just hope this album gets done soon. <laughs> no. I really dug the progression of your new Azath song. Can you tell me about composing that piece? Um, so I think, yeah, Brandon wrote that. He, I messaged him a few days ago. He said he doesn't really remember uh, writing it, actually. <laughs> but uh, they, they sent me that, that track with the click uh, probably like November or December. So I've been working on it for about two or three months. And uh, I just got a new interface, so I'm able to record my own drums. So uh, I just took it to the practice space and set up all my mics. And then uh, I already was practicing the song before I recorded it, so I had an idea of what I wanted to do. But that song is the first song that like I recorded my own drums to, so I'm pretty stoked on it. Um, as for composing the drums for that, man... Uh, kind of hard because like nobody in that is in the same room with me while I'm working on that stuff because the the I think Brandon lives in Seattle, Derek lives in like Canada and Andrew lives in California. So when they send that stuff to me, I just play what I play and you know, hope they like it and then I sent them that and asked if they wanted me to redo it and they said no. So it was uh it was a pretty easy process honestly. I just hit record and then played and then that's what came out 
Hey, man, just wondering, do you ever like to uh, record your drums without a click track? Yeah, man. Uh, so, like, I've I've never really played to a click track until recently. Honestly, the, this last few weeks have been my only, like, real times, like, not playing to a click. Or, or sorry, playing to a click because I'm, you know, tracking stuff that, like, tracking. I'm just, like, experimenting. But, yeah, um the Enigmatum album was not recorded with a click. A lot of the Blood Freak stuff I did back in the day was not recorded to a click. All of the Torch Rack material is never recorded to a click. Um, I do play with a click, though, to, like by myself, just to like, you know, dial in certain like aspects of songs. But like, as for like playing live, like I'll never play live to a click. But if I'm like tracking a record, uh, I think it's always a good idea. There's like good, good things about it and good things, you know, good things about it and not so much good things about it. For your band, uh, Levitus, I'm a bit surprised hearing the clean vocals on it, along with the death metal vocals. What's in store for this band? I can't really give away too much about that either because I don't know really. Um, we have three songs recorded for one EP and we have three songs recorded for another EP. So essentially, we have two releases ready to go, but I think we're still in the mixing stages for both of them. Uh, the first EP, I think, is just like the original demo songs that they put out on Bandcamp like two or three years ago. They're just redoing it with better um, production and whatnot. So that'll be like one of the releases. The other release is just like three brand new fresh tracks. And I think we're just going to be mixing and mastering it right now. But I think they're just going to be looking for a label to put it out. And, I mean, obviously, if shows were a thing, we'd be playing shows. We played our first show, actually, like right before the shutdown. And that was that. (laughs) Was that your very last show before uh, the quarantine? Before COVID, oh man, I was honestly thinking about that the other day. Like, what was my last show? I think it was a Torture Act show. That I think Torture Act show was was my last show I played before the the shutdown. I think it was at the what was it? The Twilight Room? It was probably at the Twilight. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's a good question, man. I was I was thinking that the other day. Um, I think Witch Vomit had the last show in Portland before the shutdown. If not, maybe it was like the week before or something like that. But yeah, it, I mean, it, it sucks, man. Like not going to shows drive me crazy. <laughs> For the albums you worked on, which one did you find you were able to experiment the most with different time signatures? Uh, that's a good question. I feel like a lot of the stuff like Enigmatum does is like unconsciously written in odd times. Like, we don't put too much thought. I mean, we put a lot of thought into the riffs, but, like, we don't make it an effort to be like, all right, this riff is going to be in five or six or some something like that. Like, it's not predetermined. It just kind of – it just so happens to come out like that. But, like, yeah, man, um, Enigmatum is probably the band that's uh, a lot more experimental. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I do like to sneak a, a few weird – time signature riffs torture act there's one in particular on the new pit of limbs it's uh which song is it i I think it's the last song but there's one riff in there that it's kind of like 
it's it's straight but it's not straight you know what i mean it kind of throws you for a loop so um yeah i I like writing that type of stuff personally um so you can always expect to hear that with whatever i'm doing (laughs) what is your most treasured musical possession most treasured musical possession um probably my drumsticks man uh having having my signature on a pair of drumsticks is it was like a huge accomplishment for me, and I'm extremely proud of it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with that. <laughs> what is your uh, three most hallowed Pacific Northwest albums? Oh, man, Oxygen Destroyer. Um, what is it? It's, uh, yeah, Frightmare, Oxygen Destroyer, and Ritual Necromancy. Uh, the albums... Oh man, I can't remember which one the uh, Oxygen Destroyer is called because it's a super long title. It's like Abhorrent Manifestations of Violence and Death or something like that. And then let's see, Frightmare is Bringing Back the Bloodshed. And then yeah, the uh, Ritual Necromancy, Disinterred Horror. Good answers. Now, favorite ghost story or urban legend from living in Portland? Uh, that's a, another good question too because there's a lot of them. Uh, Let's see. Um, I was gonna say something about the uh, the Oregon State Hospital because I'm I'm watching that movie uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest right now. But actually, uh, I was thinking about it earlier. D.B. Cooper, famous story. It's pretty. It's pretty crazy actually. He like he robbed a banker. He he got like he had two hundred thousand dollars in cash or whatever, and he hijacked a uh, airplane. And then I guess, like, apparently he, he jumped out of the airplane, parachuted, and then, like, landed somewhere in the forest. And, like, the FBI to this day, like, has never captured him or even seen any remains from D.B. Cooper. So he is supposedly still at large. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I've read a few things about his story, and he must have been a really talented skydiver to pull off a stunt like that and uh he may have been a professional military person yeah i don't know it's pretty crazy to think like that like dude could just be still you know out there i don't know like i mean obviously probably not right now but like i mean who knows because i mean if he was dead they would they would have found something you know but they they never did so i mean i don't know that's that's the biggest mystery is just like who knows? <laughs> Would you like to go back to any questions? No, I'm pretty good, man. Um, sorry, this is like my first like over the phone interview. It's gonna it's a little, little interesting because I'm just like looking up at the at the ceiling, not like you know. Um, no, no, no. I, I really... think I'm good on the questions, man. The final words? Um, no, not really. Thank you for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Um, Likewise, I you mean, know, thanks for anybody who, thanks to anybody who's listening, uh, and yeah, thanks, man. I mean, Torture Rack has been on my want list of interviews for a little while, so really appreciate you checking you guys off. Now, um, this has been an interview with Pierce Williams on Sunday, February twenty first, twenty twenty one, by Nick Perkel.